Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax. It's Al Cole from CBS Radio, and I want to tell you about a Renaissance woman who excels at everything she puts her innovative mind to. And you know, I'm going to start it out like this. What would you say if I told you that I was going to introduce you to a lady who is a very successful business entrepreneur and a world-class creative force as a realtor, interior designer, hosts charity golf tournaments for wildlife, and is the cutting-edge author of the stunning Magical Forces Within? Well, Al, I'd say make the introduction, brother. <laughs> I've just been dying to learn some of all of those things from somebody who sounds like a real magnetic lady. <laughs> well, you're in luck because not only can you learn about the fabulous life accomplishments of this woman, whose name happens to be Rhonda Grant, <laughs> but week in and week out, Rhonda will introduce you to some of the most exciting guests on the planet as she hosts her own awesome podcast, The Rhonda Grant Show on Contact Talk Radio. Week to week, Rhonda skillfully weaves the magical forces within her with the extraordinary discoveries in the sometimes ordinary lives of her guests who blossom before your very eyes through the guidance and know-how of such a skilled and sensitive host as Rhonda Grant. you got to check it out. Check out all the action at RhondaGrantAuthor.com. That's RhondaGrantAuthor.com. Dot com to witness the extraordinary discoveries in otherwise ordinary lives. And I hear some of you asking right now, well, Al, how do you know all this? <laughs> I'll tell you. It's because I weave some of the same magic on my own nationally syndicated show called People of Distinction. It's all about humanity at its best. Every guest with extraordinary things to say about the magical forces within life itself. Get it? So check them out. The Rhonda Grant Show, Extraordinary Discoveries in Ordinary Lives, and People of Distinction, created by me, Al Cole from CBS Radio, now hosted by my amazing son, Benji Cole. You can check out People of Distinction on Apple Music or email me for exciting updates on my music and my books, too, especially Romance for Women on Amazon. Email me at al at alcoholic.com. You heard me right. That's A L at A-L-C-O-L-E-H-O-L-I-C.com. And I really want to thank my CBS radio listeners for coming up with that handle, Alcoholic. <laughs> Seems like from day one, my listeners have been saying, Al, we love what you're doing there, brother. In fact, we're hooked on it. We're Alcoholics. So here we go in classic form with a swing of a golf club as she hosts another charity golf tournament for wildlife and another incomparable Rhonda Grant show. So all together, everybody, here's Rhonda. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Rhonda Grant show right now, and I have many great guests on this show, and I have a great guest coming up. If you've been searching for a deeper meaning in your life, go to Amazon and pick up my book, Magical Forces Within. You know, we're all ordinary people having extraordinary experiences, and we have a fantastic guest on the show today, Howard Berg, world fastest reader and executive member of Howard Stephen Berg Learning Systems. We are going to find out more about his extraordinary experiences. Howard Berg is the world's fastest reader, Guinness, and has sold over $67 million in programs. A best-selling author, Howard has lectured around the world, including training the Royal Thai Army and the U.S. Special Forces at Fort Bragg. 
Students as young as 11 are using his program to ace college courses. Fortune 500 companies and others hire him as a trainer and speaker. He majored in psychobiology at SUNY Binghamton. Howard has appeared on over 2,000 radio and TV shows around the world, and we're so pleased to have him on the show. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show, Howard. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. My it's 2001 ab- now. <laughs> it's 2001 now, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, was there anyone or anything that helped guide you on the path that you're on right now? Uh, quite a few things. I don't think anyone really succeeds on their own. I think that's a myth. Yeah. There's so many talented people like Elvis was singing at country fast till he met the Colonel. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that he had a better voice, but the Colonel knew more about business and how to leverage his talent. I think my mom was a big influence in my life. She uh, encouraged me. I was very young. I was a professional singer when I was nine. Wow. He would put me on stage. And I was doing, I mean, singing Temple uh, in 1961. I was getting $3,000 for 10 hours of work on the uh, on the holidays. And my dad made $10,000 working six days a week, 12 hours a day. So $3,000 back then, that was, that was really good money. In Wonderful. And uh, I got over any stage fright or anything by... Uh, being on stage all my life. It just seemed natural to me. That's where I wanted to be. I had very good teachers in college as well. But I'd say what really shaped me was adversity. And I think often the things that make our lives miserable when we're young are what make us who we are when we're older. I, I grew up in the projects in Brooklyn. It was a very violent environment. There was a lot of gangs and I was mugged over a hundred times. It was normal. Just part of your day, you got beat up. Boy. So that's, that's my wife's dog. So hope you don't mind. <laughs> we, uh, I found the safest place in my neighborhood was the library. Because gang kids would rather be dead than go to a library. So I read a lot because it was the safest thing to do. And I had college reading when I was 11. I went to the State University of New York, Binghamton, as you mentioned, when I was 17 to major in biology. Well, in the second half of my junior year, I read a book by Conrad Lorenz on on ethology, which is part of uh, psychobiology, biology behavior. Not psychotic biology, that's Frankenstein. And I got interested (laughs) in that branch. I went to the dean. I said, I want to major in psych and biology. You only have one year left. You had no psych courses. I have to do the whole four-year program in one year and finish bio at the same time. I also had three jobs. I was working 18 hours a week. He said, you're not smart enough. And that's when it hit me. They don't teach learning in school. They tell Mm -hmm. you what to learn, why to learn. What will happen when you don't learn? But you hear a song on the radio once, remember it your whole life. It's got to be a way to learn things, the way you learn songs. And I got up to 80 pages a minute. I did the psych program in one year. I took the graduate record exam in biology, so I read like 48 books in three nights that I was reviewing, like biochemistry, cell physiology, genetics, plant systematics, not not the lightest reading. I got- No, not at all. I got three questions wrong. So I was in the 99th percentile in the world. I got an 800. 
And then I was like, gee, I wonder if it's me or what I discovered, the system I was using. So I taught kids 11 and 15, same system. They did 30 chapters in lifelong developmental psych in a week. It's a sophomore college course. Took the AP test and 15 out of 18 passed it in one week. That's incredible. I realized, okay, it's not just that I could do it. I could teach it. And I feel that's my calling is to, is to take the skill and share it with people and help them learn how to do it for themselves. Mm-hmm. So my burning question is, um, how do you remember everything that you read? Not only can I tell you, I could, I could, I could teach you how. Would that even be better? That would be even better. Sure. Okay. Well, there's many systems for memory. Remember, I studied psychobiology. I'm going to give you 10 things to remember, Rhonda, and our audience can do this with us, and you won't be able to, but then I'll show you how, and you'll be able to do it effortlessly in less than three minutes. Are you ready? Yes. You want to remember pole, shoes, tricycle, car, glove, gun, dice, skate, cat, and bowling pins. Is it safe to say you don't know all 10 things right now perfectly? I don't. You will. In fact, this is so simple. You can teach this to three-year-olds. And it's not, a, it's not an exercise. It's a tool. Okay. I teach you two strategies that are, that are involved here. One, you remember 10% of what you read, 90% of what you say and do. So when I ask you to say and do, do that so you lock it in. And two, the ancient Greeks discovered a shortcut for learning less. Take a list you know, link it to the list you're learning, and take less time. And I'm going to bet you and our audience can count to 10. I feel very confident that I'm right. So we're going to use <laughs> the numbers that you know to learn those 10 objects super fast. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> Number one looks like a pole. Think of a lamp pole. So when I say one, you say pole. Ready? One. Pole. Two is shoes. That's how many shoes you wear. What's two? Shoes. What was one? Pole. Perfect. Three is a tricycle. Three wheels on a tricycle. What's three? Tricycle. What's two? Pole. Two. Oh, pole. Uh, sorry. Um, shoes. Perfect. One is? One is? Pole. Perfect. Good. Four is a car. There's four tires on a car. So four is car. What's four? Car. What was two? Go to two. Shoes. One. Pole. Three. What has three? Wheels. And what is that called? Tricycle. There you go. Five is a glove. How many fingers in a glove? Five. So what's five? Glove. What was three? You keep blocking that one. What do you ride on with three wheels? Tricycle. Why can't I get get that? That's how you learn it, by rehearsing. Okay. And And one is a? Pole. Perfect. You're doing fine. That's normal. Six is a gun. They loved them in Texas when I lived there. Six gun. Six gun. What's six? Gun. What was four? What had four tires? Car. What's two? Uh, Shoes. That's it. You're doing good. Lucky seven and dice, right? Lucky seven. What's seven? Dice. Five. Five fingers in a? Glove. Right, three. That's the one. Tricycle. There you go. See, that's how it works. One. Pull. That's how the brain learns, repetition. 
Um, rhymes work. Say eight skate, eight skate. What's eight? Eight skate, skate. Good. Six. What did they love in Texas? Guns. Four. What had four tires? A car. And two. That's uh, go ahead. You got it. Shoes. That's right. Only two left. So nine is a cat. A cat has nine lives. Cat, cat. has nine lives. What's nine? Cat. Seven was lucky in what game? Dice. Five is uh five fingers. Glove. Three. Tricycle. That's your favorite. And one. Pole. Perfect. Last one. How many bowling pins in an alley? Ten. Bowling pins. What's ten? Bowling pin ten. Okay, let's do the list together now. One. Pole. Two. Shoes. Perfect. You picture, you're looking for your picture. Three. Tricycle. Four. Uh, tires. That's t- tires on a car, yes. Five. Fingers. Glove. Six. Texas. Guns. Right. Seven's lucky in. Dice. Eight rhymes with. Skates. Right. Nine is, uh, what is nine lives? Cat. And ten. What's in an alley? Ten. Oh, bowling pins. Perfect. Here's how you use it. You just learned how to speed learn numbers. You know how often you forget numbers because they're hard to remember. Imagine you went to a hotel and your room is 314. How many times by the time you got to the lobby, you forgot your room? Here's Always. How you room numbers. You make a number into a picture. Three is a tricycle. One is a pole. Four is a car. A tricycle hits a pole into a car. Picture that. A tricycle hits a pole into a car. A tricycle, what number? Three. It's a pole. One. On a car. Four. That's the number. Tricycle, pole, car. Now, it's also pi in geometry for kids studying geometry. So I teach this to students for science and math and history dates and business, room numbers, phone numbers, uh, product numbers, uh, due dates, percentages. You turn the number into a series of pictures, you connect the pictures, and you just play back your movie, and you got the number. And the zero, because numbers only go from zero to nine. The zero is the 10 voling pits. Okay. And that's how you speed learn numbers. That's incredible. It's easy to do. The whole thing is that easy. Otherwise, it's a new problem. If the if the solution is harder than the problem you're solving, you just made a new problem. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So um, children mm-hmm. who have difficulty learning, does it also work for them? Absolutely. Uh, and I mean, reading, sorry, difficulty reading. Yes. Um, this, some, some of my students had ADD, some had dyslexia. Here's an extreme case. This girl, Amy, she had third grade reading in ninth grade. So they put her in special ed and she was hysterical. And her mother was hysterical. But yes. my school that she didn't want to be trained. Welcome to Walmart. She wanted her daughter to have a, have a life. So we taught her how to learn, which is the first thing we taught anyone. 
we always teach how to learn before we teach what to learn. So when we got done with her, she finished high school and had a two-year degree when the people in high school she was going to school with got high school degrees. Oh, that's a, fantastic. She had an A average. She went to Baylor on a full scholarship, got a BA, and then got a master's degree at 22. She was special ed, but she worked really hard. I'm not going to tell you it was easy. She worked really hard. She had to change how her brain was processing information, but we showed her how. And her mother helped her, and she was willing to do what we taught her, and it made a difference. But I could show you how it eliminates dyslexia if you'd like. Mm-hmm. Yes. When you're driving in a car on a highway, it's often around 70 miles an hour, depending on the state, but it's not uncommon, 70 miles an hour on a, on a regular highway. And you're reading the road in four directions, front, back, left, and right. And you're watching your GPS and your gauges. And you're bored, so you turn on the radio, you're talking on the phone, and you have people in the car you talk to, all at the same time. And you're bored. You read a book, and the average speed is 200 words a minute. And you're lucky if the next day you remember 10%. Why can you process so much in a car at 70 miles an hour in four directions and so little in a book in one direction? Mm -hmm. The answer is, in the car, it's a movie. Is seeing everything visually. In a book, it's like someone's in the back of your head talking one word at a time. You're listening to the page with your eyes. I'm teaching people how to see the movie in the book that they see in the car. And then what you do is you play the movie back, and the movie has all the information. And so you see dozens and dozens of things in the movie, and you just convert it back to words. And you're able to remember huge amounts of information faster because vision is more powerful than hearing. Hearing is is uh, digital. You hear one word at a time or you hear a song one note at a time, whereas right. visual, a painting, you see it all at once. And a book is more like a painting than a song, but we learn it more like a song than a painting. And I've learned how to teach people to change that. And how did you change? How did you teach them how to change that? Uh, several things. Okay. All, all speed reading programs use mechanics. The problem is they have to read fast all the time, or they lose it. And you can't read fast all the time. When you're learning something new, when you slow down, you would lose your speed. Uh, I was on uh, MSNBC when it first launched with Dick Cavett. He told me a funny story after the interview. He interviewed Woody Allen. And Woody told him he took Evelyn Woods and read War and Peace in five minutes. And it's an enormous book. And he said, that's incredible. What do you remember? And Woody said, it's about the Russian Revolution. That's it. That was speed reading. <laughs> it's a bio book. I didn't learn any biology, but it's a, bio <laughs> it's a calculus book. Don't ask me to do any calculus. Yeah. It is. That wasn't what I needed. I needed to learn six science books at the same time. So I'll show you one of the things I did that allows you to read faster with good comprehension and slow down when you need to. And one of the key elements in comprehending text is called schema. And rather than tell you what it is, I'll demonstrate it. I'll give you a passage that has no schema. And watch how confusing it is. Then I'll put a title on, one word that has schema, and instantly everything makes sense that doesn't make sense the first time. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is the schema list text. 
This is an easy thing to do. If possible, you could do it at home, but you could always go someplace else if it's necessary. Beware of overdoing it. This is a major mistake. It may cost you quite a bit of money. What am I talking about? You have no idea, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it again. This time I have a title, one word, and watch how everything makes sense with the one word. Laundry. This is an easy thing to do. If possible, you could do it at home, but you could always go someplace else if it's necessary. Beware of overdoing it. This is a major mistake. It may cost you quite a bit of money. By teaching people where these schematic clues are, they can go two, three, four times faster with better comprehension and very technical material like bio, math, accounting, uh, law, any type of material and learn it and not just read it faster. And that's one of the things I do. And I do a few other things, which I'd be happy to show you as well. Yes, uh, we'd love to, our listening audience, I'm sure they're uh, listening, listening intently. So if you have some more skills to uh, teach, I'm sure we'd love to learn them. Well, I could show them how to read about 20 to 40% faster in like 90 seconds, if that would help. <laughs> that would really help, Howard. <laughs> okay, so here's what you want to do. Pick a book you've read and understood, preferably nonfiction. Since you already know the book, there's only one thing that can confuse you, how fast you read it. So you already know that that's the only thing that can make it confusing. So go to the book, time yourself with a minute, and read normal. Don't do anything different than you do now. And when the timer goes off, take a pencil, mark off where you are. So you've measured. That's how far I read now. So we have a baseline. Yes. Now for the magic. Are you ready, Rhonda? I am. Go to the second chapter, take your hand and go one line at a time with your hand going across from left to right margin. And this is the key with your eye following your hand as fast as you could comprehend. Keep speeding up till you don't know what you're reading. That's when you know it got too fast because you should know what you're reading. You read this already. Then slow down just enough so the comprehension comes back. So you're going as fast as you possibly can moving your eye one line at a time, left to right with your hand. No faster than you can read, no slower than you can read, as fast as you can read with comprehension. After five minutes, go to the first chapter where you tested yourself and test yourself for a minute using your hand as fast as you could comprehend and you'll go 20 to 40% further just doing that one change. Wow. And so it's just practicing it. Practicing it's and learning all the skills. I'll tell you what I do differently. Okay. Speed reading programs are about speed reading. I didn't want to do speed reading. I wanted to learn. Most people want to learn faster, not read faster. So how did I do that? First, <laughs> I figured out what to learn. How many times did you take a test and nothing you studied was on the test? Everything <laughs> else was. So exactly. Ahead of time, what to look for. So I teach people how to analyze old tests to figure out what to study. Then they're reading three, four times faster, finding information they need to learn. And if they don't understand it, I teach them brain-based study skills to make sense of it so they're not confused. And then memory skills to retain it. And then emotional intelligence skills to be in the right state. What does that mean? Uh, imagine I teach you to drive and you're ready 
for your road test. And you call him up and say, I failed. I said, why did you fail? I got nervous. It was a test. You know anyone ever got nervous on a test? Mm-hmm. What does it do to your performance? It's gone. It decreases it. So that's why I was teaching the Green Berets how to create states, mm-hmm. how to create emotional states. In fact, I could do one with you if you'd like. And so by teaching people how to get in the right state, they're able to stay calm while taking the test and use all the information that they learn. Mm-hmm. Would you like to learn how to do something like that? Yeah. So it's, so what you're teaching is the state of mind that you need to be in in yes. order to learn. Okay. Thank you. And that's one of the main reasons people fail. They get nervous. They get frustrated. They get tired. When you're taking one of those long three, four, five-hour tests, half the people at about two hours in think, I don't care anymore. I just want to go home. What do you think happens to their grades when they're thinking like that? Oh, yes. They, they go down because they're, concentra- they're, they're concentrating on, on other things. Exactly. Would you like to see how to stay awake? Yes. Okay. This is a simple technique I taught the Green Berets. Now, we know the left side of the brain controls the right, the right, the left. So do this with me. Take your left hand, touch your right shoulder, and then take your right hand, touch your left shoulder, alternating. So it's like the Macarena without the music. Now, ideally, you should stand, but I know we're at microphones now, so we can't. But later, when you do this, stand up and touch your left hand to your right knee and your right hand to your left knee. You could do it seated right now. So you're touching left to right knee, right to left knee. Okay. Standing, the knee moves. So both sides of your brain are doing something. Now grab your thumb in your right hand and like a fist and say this like you mean it. I feel great. Yes. Like you mean it. I feel great. Yes. No, I want, (laughs) I feel great. Yes. I feel great. Yes. Yes. Because if you go, I feel great, that's what you'll feel. You want to feel great, not great. Yes. So now we're going to do three sets of these. And when we're done, I'll show you how to instantly wake up, starting with the shoulder taps at my speed. Ready? Do six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Knee taps. One, two, three, four, five, six. How do you feel? I feel great. Yes, perfect. (laughs) This time a little faster. Ready? One, two, three, four, five, six. Knees. One, two, three, four, five, six. How do you feel? I feel great. Hey, yes. As fast as you can go. And if you're standing, move away from the table. Ready? Yes. One, two, three, four, five, six. Knees. One, two, three, four, five, six. How do you feel? I feel great. And I'm moving yes. away from the microphone. <laughs> what do you, you know what happens when you do this three times? What happens? Nothing. Now, you probably would like something. I feel great, though. (laughs) I do. It's like tapping. (laughs) What's that? (laughs) I'll show you how to make it work now. Remember Pavlov? That's my rotary bell. He rang a bell. He fed a dog. He rang a bell. He fed a dog. He rang a bell. The dog drooled. You don't want to drool. You do want to feel great. Studies show it takes 90 days to form a habit. So every day you do the slow, medium, fast, and every time I feel great, yes. Now you're in an important meeting. You need a burst of energy or a test or you're driving in traffic. You don't want to stand up and tap your shoulders. They'll think you're out of your mind. (laughs) Grab your thumb 
and you say to yourself, I feel great. Yes, that's your bell. That's the conditioned stimulus. Every time you did it for 90 days, you woke up because you stimulated your brain. And that's what I was teaching these young men in the military. You can use it now when you're taking an exam, going into a boring meeting, having to drive home in traffic, you get tired, it'll wake you up instantly. Yes. Well, it's just wonderful. You're listening to the Rhonda Grant Show, whose podcast has been treated with digital audio health by Symatrex. And I'm speaking with Howard Berg, who is the world's fastest reader. And he is teaching, well, he's teaching me uh, a lot of great uh, skills and techniques. And uh, I hope that you're joining in with us. How many people connect with you, Howard? Oh, I, I'm always busy. I'm, I'm, yes. And so I'm, how many, do you have a website? Yes. Berg Learning, B-E-R-G learning.com, Berg Learning. Uh, some of the lessons are free. They can try them for, and no risk. And uh, we guarantee they're going to at least double the reading speed. We have reading, writing, memory, and math. And it'll help them do, do better at work because it's an information-based economy. Every decision is based on what you know. If you have yes. more information, you'll make better choices. It will also help them to uh, help their kids do better in school. We have 11-year-olds in college getting A's in a week. And if you're older, I'm 72, it'll help you keep your brain fit as you get older. So it's the same skill. The difference is the, 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 the professional reads a spreadsheet and the kid reads a bio book. But reading is reading, memory is memory. It's just what you read that's different in different ages but how it's done is the same skill. So it works for everyone. So you can get it for your business and give it to your kids as well. Mm -hmm. What I love is that you're combining a lot of different uh, tools in order uh, to, to help people accomplish this. And I, I had never thought of combining a bunch of different tools like that. It's just incredible what you're doing. Would you like to see how to be a genius? I would like to see how to be a genius. That's a program I'm working on now. We finished the content. We just haven't we we haven't put it in video yet because uh, we we try to keep the quality of all our programs at a high level. But yes. the content's done. So genius. There's actually three types of learning: literal, implied, and inferential. That's that's psychology. Literal, implied, inferential. Let me explain what they are. Literal is what you see. Implied is what they presume you know. So if they said the man drank a glass of water, they expect you to know what water is, what a glass is, and what a man and drinking are. They don't explain it. And inferential is the deeper meaning, the significance. So let's do a little experiment, you and I and our audience, and see how genius works. Is that good? Yes, that's good. I want you to picture a circle, big circle with a dot in the middle. So what are you seeing right now? Just literally, not, don't interpret it. A circle with a dot in the middle. Thank you. How interesting is that? Be honest. Well, it's not that interesting, but Thank it's interesting. Mm -hmm. That's the right answer. You don't Thank do you. <laughs> great. I'm doing right. great. <laughs> That's how most learning is. Read this book. Why? Because I told you. Yes. How many times in school? You got to read this. Why? Because I told you. That was <laughs> it, it was like, I don't want to read it. It's boring. You have to read it. 
So that's literal learning. You learn the names. I'll give you an example. You say in 1492, Columbus discovered the new world. And they'll ask you a question. What year did Columbus discover the new world? Oh, 1492. Oh, you're a genius. No, you just memorized a bunch of words. You have no idea what you're telling people. In my school, they would have to be able to say, what was the impact of Columbus's discovery on the indigenous tribes, on Europe, on the religious beliefs, on the economics, on colonialism? Now you write an essay. That's a whole different thing than the name of a person in a year. So level two, that circle with the dot is a symbol. It's the symbol of the sun in astronomy. And because many years ago, astronomy and astrology were the same, they're not anymore, obviously, but they once mm-hmm. were. It's the symbol of the self in astrology. So that's level two. Level three, it's the meaning of life. See, think of that, a circle with a dot in the middle. Do you see the meaning of life? Probably not but I'll show you it if you'd like. Yes. This is how Buddha would have taught a lesson. A point is infinitesimally small. Wherever you look around you, there's an infinite number of points. They're all invisible. So a point is also the symbol for spirit or God, something that's everywhere you look and invisible. No matter where you look, it is. No matter where you look, you don't see it. Mm -hmm. A point. A circle is a boundary. Everything inside the circle is you, the self. Everything outside the circle is not you, not self. What does it say? Inside every circle is a dot, which is spirit. It's saying everything is one thing. Everybody is spirit. Everybody at the center is this one thing looking at itself. We look different. We think different. We act different. But at our root, in our essence, at our center, we're all one thing. And when you realize that, then brotherhood isn't just a euphemism. You are the brother. We're only as good as the weakest link in our race, the human race. The human Mm -hmm. race is an entity. And we're all one cell in that huge entity called humanity. And at the center of each of us is this connecting force, the spirit that unites all of us as a single thing. Is that more interesting than it's a circle with a dot in the middle? Oh, that's profound. That's incredible. Thank that's you. That's genius. That, and I'm going to show you how that works in the real world if you'd like. Uh, yes, please. Think of um, Steve Jobs. Everyone saw a cell phone back then. It looked like Captain Kirk's communicator, if you remember. Yes. <laughs> I could put a monitor and a chip, and I can make a little computer that tells that to, does telephone calls. How'd that work out? He called it an iPhone. I think he made some money with that. <laughs> and he said, you know, I can make it bigger, like the size of a sheet of paper. I'll call it an iPad. How did that work out? <laughs> well, here's another good example. The richest man in the world is Jeff Bezos, correct? Yes. His business model is hundreds of years old. J.C. Penney and Sears at the turn of the 20th century, at the end of the 19th century, they came out with a catalog because we were, we were seeing a great migration to the West. And a lot of people were moving into areas with not a lot of stores. 
So they would order from JCPenney or Sears what they needed, and the railroads would deliver it to Wells Fargo and bring it to them. It's a very, very successful business model. Jeff Bezos did what? He put a catalog online. Sears and JCPenney are on the verge of bankruptcy. They had the catalog. They had the products. They had the supply chain. They had the marketing skills. No one ever thought, let's put this online. Mm-hmm. So what's the genius do? He sees the opportunity to take the model they did and bring it in the 21st century. He becomes the richest man in the world. They go bankrupt. That's genius. Yes. Awesome. Do you feel uh, that you've been called uh, to what you're doing? Absolutely. In fact, when yes. I was in college, one of the things I did is I studied consciousness. I became a yogi. I spent my weekends in a yoga ashram and not just Hatha yoga. It was all seven Kundalini, yeah. uh, Kriya, Bhakti, Raja, Tantra, all the different yogas I studied. Uh, I studied the I Ching with Kai D, who was woe fat on the original Hawaii Five O. He was my I Ching teacher. Yes. And I studied symbols. I was interested in symbols, like I was showing you. Like mm-hmm. I studied the Tarot with Rhonda Nordic, who was a Druid High Priestess. And I studied Kabbalah and a number of other things. I was interested in consciousness, what makes us unique. I realized when I was in college, I thought we were machines. If you knew the genes and you knew the environment, you could predict behavior. And I said, well, can you look at the neurons and a Michelangelo and see the statue of David or the brain of a Da Vinci and see the Mona Lisa? No, there's more to life than just neural connections in the brain. There's a something greater. It's greater than just the connections itself. The consciousness itself is something significant. And so I started to learn how to use that consciousness. And then I used it to teach people what I was learning so they could learn two, three, four times faster in a mundane world, in business and in school, and to keep their brains physically fit as they grew older. And I feel that's really my purpose. If you look at the news, do you think there's too many smart people? That's our biggest problem. Look at what we're getting kids with. Global warming, viruses, exploding deficits. I feel it's my job to teach them how to learn faster and better so they can have a future like we did. And right now, that's not what they have. It's a very Hmm. bleak future for most people. It is a bleak future. Uh, it is a bleak fe- uh, future for most people. That's right. But it doesn't have to be. We had a group of kids, 11 or 15. We taught them how to learn. One of their kids' brothers had Downs. So they started a company. We, they read books. They read books on how to build a website. They did it themselves. They made a product. The first year, they made $93,000. They were 11 or 15. And they won the Silver Pyramid, which is the Oscar in advertising as the best not-for-profit in America, beating Rotary and Red Cross. They were 11 years old. That's my vision. Oh, yes. Teach what I taught those young people to everyone so they have a future and they can make more money and be successful. And if something changes, like you make typewriters, well, that's not a good profession anymore. No. So you need to learn, if you're a coal miner, It's not about bringing back coal. It's about finding something else quickly that you can support your family on. 
I don't think coal mining is that glamorous a job anyway. You want to spend your whole <clears throat> life in a cave sucking mm-hmm. coal dust? Do you want to make 10 times the money and stay out in the sunshine? So it's not about doing what doesn't work anymore. It's about learning new things quickly. Yes. I can read 10 books in three hours, which means I can learn anything I want in three hours. I had an 84-year-old, Ruth Lubin, read three books in three hours. A little slower than me, but she was 84. So you can do this. It's a learnable skill. It's the future of our planet. The people who can think, the people who can learn, the people who can change quickly as things change quickly are going to succeed. Everyone else is going to look at them and say, what happened? I can't make a living. Mm -hmm. Well, exactly. And uh, so you've hit it right on the nail, though. That's fantastic. What extraordinary discovery have you found in your life? Well, um, I think I discovered some of the answers to unanswerable questions. Would you like me to answer two or three of them just to show you? Yes, please. Yes, please. Okay. Right now, they want to make this country go green without bankrupting the oil, gas, and coal industry, create thousands of jobs, and get rid of the deficit. And I could show you how to do that in 90 seconds. So how do you make electricity? You spin a magnet in a coil of wire, and that's done either with water or steam. And the steam is from oil, coal, or natural gas, or nuclear fusion. That's most electricity. But there's another way to do it. In Iceland, they're a volcano, and they use the magma that's near the surface to heat the water. Now, you say, well, that's great. If you live in Iceland, you have a volcano. Well, we're in America. Well, there's actually places in America that would work. Yellowstone Park has the largest super volcano in the world, 300 miles of magma. There's a magma field in California. There's also one in Vermont, New England, that people aren't aware of. So if you use that magma to heat the water instead of oil, gas, and coal, you would be able to burn the water to, to, to boiling and make steam and electricity and have the oil, gas, and oil companies provide the money. It's got to be easier to find magma in Yellowstone than a new oil field somewhere in the world that no one's found before. And now you train people from those industries, like the coal miners, on how to build the infrastructure that's needed and maintain it. So that's jobs. And here's the best part. Yellowstone is on federal land. So you charge a usage fee for every kilowatt of power, and it only goes to pay off the U.S. debt. And as you're making more and more electricity out of that magma field, you'll be paying more and more of the debt off. So you could solve all three problems at the same time. Now solve one more unsolvable problem, and then I'll go back to you. You ever wondered how the universe works? You know, you read about the Big Bang. You got this infinitesimal point that's the whole universe, and it explodes in every direction, faster than the speed of light. You think, okay, where does it go? Mm-hmm. Do you ever think about that? Where does it go? Mm-hmm. You know, because actually it's all time and space. So where does it go? Well, here's a way it could happen very easily. If I'd like you to picture in your mind that you have an infinitesimal universe, tiny point in your mind, and it explodes 
and grows infinitely large at the speed of light in every direction. Picture it in your mind. And notice something interesting. The infinitesimal point and the infinite universe both exist inside your brain, in between your ears, the big one and the little one. If the universe is built from consciousness, and by the way, that's what the Bible is saying. Mm -hmm. There's a being that says, let there be. That's consciousness. Mm -hmm. If the universe is built out of consciousness, it can grow infinitely big and still be the same size. Because just like it's between your ears, it's between the ears of God. So it gets if it can get as big as you want and still be the same size, or as small as you want, it's still the same size. It doesn't matter. Consciousness allows you to create a universe of infinite size and not get any bigger at the same time. Fascinating. That's what I teach. That's wonderful, Howard. I would like to thank you very much for being on the Rhonda Grant show. It's been such a learning experience. And, and some people don't know what consciousness is. And uh, the best way I can explain it is if you've ever had, do you ever look, um, you might be in a restaurant and you look because you think somebody's looking at you and they are, or uh, you think somebody's following you and you turn and look and somebody is. And so uh, the people who, I just have to think about this for a second, the people who are detectives, they actually teach them not to look at the person that they're following because the consciousness of that person will recognize that they're following them and turn and look. And that's how uh, our hunter gatherers, um, that's how we ended up being human beings is because we had that innate ability right from the get go. And that's how we survived because we knew if we were being hunted. And so consciousness is that part of you that knows without you knowing how it knows. But when you look, you get your confirmation. I love that. I, knew, I didn't know that thing about detectives. That's so you taught me something cool, too. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm interested in consciousness, too. And, and a lot about my book, Magical Forces Within, talks about all these abilities that we have yes. uh, that we can't really describe. And I... I find it fascinating. I just love what you've shared today. Uh, our listeners are, well, I mean, there's so much. That I'm going to have to even listen myself to the podcast a couple of times. <laughs> oh, remind them about Berg learning because I do have courses to mm -hmm. teach them how to do this. This is a learnable <laughs> skill. And it's not that you need to be, I had a young man, is, um, he was 11 years old. He was a C student. And we taught him how to learn. At 22, he was an English professor. Another one graduated college at 16 with a 4.0 economics degree, master's in math at 19, 397, professor at Yale now. Another did four-year college in six months. Another passed the bar at 19 in California. I can go on and on. With it's company. just incredible. Yeah, it's just incredible. Mm -hmm. so go to Berg Learning. You can learn to do this, and I'll help you. We have yes. a support team. We'll make sure you learn it and you'll be able to do amazing, amazing things. And so your website again is berglearning.com? Yes, B-E-R-G, because there's more than one way to spell the word berg. Yes, B-E-R-G, that's right. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome, my pleasure. 
Theme song coming up for the Rhonda Grant show, Sun on the Water, is composed and performed by my friend John Park Wheeler. This is Rhonda Grant with the Rhonda Grant Show, author of Magical Forces Within, Extraordinary Discoveries in an Ordinary Life, inviting you to look for the magical forces within yourself today and every day. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you would like to find out more information about Rhonda and her upcoming guests and the work that she does, go to her website, rondagrantauthor.com. That's rondagrantauthor.com. 